welcome once again to the Christian Nerd of Godcast. My name is Scott Higa. I am the Christian Nerd. And join with me, joining me, joined with me, joined with me, my Siamese twin. We are conjoined at the heart and the soul over 3,000 miles. My friend, the Nerd of God from the Nerd of Godcast, Tony Talavera. What's up, Tony? Man, it really does make bathroom trips uh, trips awkward, doesn't it? <laughs> Being joined together like we are over three thousand miles. I know when you are expelling your bowels, I can feel it in my own. It's, we are truly cut from the same cloth. Sir, how's it going, show man? With a bunch of toilet humor. <laughs> Well, you know, uh, every, it's the one unifying factor that everyone across the world has in common. And Everybody I, poops. Yeah, and I think it's exponential with people who've done youth ministry for any amount of time. Because yeah. so much of youth ministry revolves around conversations about the bathroom, like bathroom trips, bathroom necessities. Just There's so much to do with youth ministry in the bathroom for some reason. I don't know what it is. Did I ever tell you the story about we d- the discovery we made at youth camp a few years ago when some of the boys thought it would be fun to make a poop lasagna? No. Okay. So this is what the guys did. Oh and what I consider I a level of this. intimacy. <laughs> I, yeah, <laughs> I don't want anything to do with this, but it happened. Oh. Where one of the young men went and laid down a layer of toilet paper in the commode in the toilet and he proceeded to make a number two on top of it and then cover it with another row of toilet paper a little layer of toilet paper and then the next guy in the youth group came in and went on top of that and covered it and the next guy came and went on top of that and covered it and And the last guy came in and ate it no, no, oh, no, no they that's, left that's, it. That's the toothbrush. It was like one. five layers. I mean, it was a serious, like you know, layer Wasn't stack of, of poo, toilets? toilet paper, poo. Yeah, and they left it on the last day of camp, and it wasn't discovered for like a week. And uh, the janitorial staff, boy, they had a a time. Oh my gosh, that is yeah. horrible. Yeah, and I they can't just even... left it. Yeah, they, that was the idea. Was for it. To, it was buried with the specific intention of being discovered. Oh. And so then all the water just gets soaked up into the toilet. So there's like no water left in the toilet, or not that much water left. It's just, oh, I yeah. If, listen, I don't even want to be in a bathroom while there's another person in there washing their hands. Much less <clears throat> contribute to a corporate number two poo experience. experience. It's just those guys. They really bonded during that week of camp. I feel. We had a corporate number two experience at a winter camp, but but a positive one, a positive one. Okay. We so we were we before we came on air, we were having a long discussion about the weather, and Tony thought that meant we'd reached the pin or the the low point of our of our relationship because all we were doing was talking about weather. But I shared with him that I love talking about the weather because it affects me so. So we were going to camp in the mountains in Southern California, and it snows in the mountains, which is great because you go to winter camp and there's snow and kids love it hour away awesome so we can't relate i'll take your word take my word and so i wasn't even i was an intern at this point at my current church i was an intern and the youth pastor was in charge of me he didn't come to camp he it was just a winter retreat at a cabin that we had rented and he didn't come because his wife was expecting twins and so i thought okay i will go up as an unpaid intern and i will run this trip and i will be in charge and it'll be great and so we get up there and you may not know this, but in a cabin in the mountains, you leave one faucet just dripping so that water sure. will continue to move through the pipes. The pipes, so don't, the pipes freeze. don't freeze. Exactly. 
And so, so hey, we, that's you, you have to get your points for being culturally knowledgeable. I, I, I appreciate that. So, <laughs> so you don't leave the pipes running because alligators might come through. That's and true. That's, yeah, giant alligators, giant sewer gators. Yeah. Yeah. And so we get up there and the owners of the cabin or whoever used it last did not do that. So we had uh, zero running water in uh, this cabin all weekend. And you can't pour down hot water because it'll bore the pipes. So so we have zero water. I'm an unpaid intern. I don't have a church credit card. And oh so I'm just, dear God, let me have enough money in my ATM account so I can buy water for this trip. <laughs> and so we're at this cabin in Lake Arrowhead, which is a little mountain city. We're five minutes from the village, which got a grocery store and everything that we'd need. And so we sat down with all the students say, hey, guys, we're happier here. We're just going to have to rough it a little bit. There aren't going to be any showers. If you need to mm. go to the bathroom, you can go number one. But if you need to go number two, you have to hold it, and we will have designated twosie trips to the village. And wow. so when you need to go number two, let us know, and we will all gather together and go down to the mountain village. So it was, it was, it was a number two bonding experience, but in a positive way. They all had great attitudes. There wasn't, like, they, it wasn't, we were very proud of our students because they totally could have turned and made it horrible and awful and just been miserable all weekend for, with, with reason. But they were all really, really great. It was kind of one of those nice moments in youth ministry where your students surprise you. You're like, hey, thanks, guys. Thanks for keeping it classy, guys. Now, this was at Lake Arrowhead, you said? Yes. That's nestled in the majestic mountains of the San Bernardino National Forest, if I'm not mistaken. It's also widely known as the Alps. Of Southern California. No one's ever called it the Alps of Southern California. Shut up, Wikipedia. You know what you're talking <laughs> I'm about. Looking, I'm looking at their website right now, lakearrowhead.com, oh, and it's beautiful. It is. No, Lake Arrowhead's beautiful. No, it's, that's like, we don't have anything like that in Florida, I don't think. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, no, so we have Lake Arrowhead. We have Big Bear, which is even a higher elevation. But the problem is, you get up there, and it's nice, but mountain people are weird i think they're the california equivalent of florida people just a (laughs) little bit off and you know like they live far away there's one grocery store there's two schools if you go to school they go to school that's mean and so it's just mountain people are a little weird yeah that's uh, we have east coast mountain people up in georgia and and through virginia west virginia appalachia right yeah yeah yeah. we don't make fun of people but hey why not they're not listening to podcasts Can't get that by putting tinfoil on top of the mobile home. I don't know. Send your comments to thechristianerd.com. Yeah, send it to Scott at thechristianerd.com, and I'll pass them along to my friend Tony via text message because I have his phone number. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm a little tired today, Tony, if I sound a little run down. Uh, I was in, I haven't, I haven't had a podcast episode for a week and a half. So sorry to my listeners. I've been a little busy. And probably a little lazy. But so we was, decided to catch you up with a with a poop talk right up front. Right up front. No, just going been missing. Cut straight to the good stuff. So we uh, we I had my I, I've been going to these retreats called the Transforming Center. I've been going to them in Chicago. So I was just at one recently. Then I came home on Wednesday. Is that Chicago, the windy city on yes. the beaches of the Great Lake? Oh, sorry. <laughs> Are you a travel agent, Tony? <laughs> I'd like to be. I was in Chicago, and then I came home, and I couldn't get a flight out on Tuesday because there weren't any late enough. So I come home on Wednesday morning. I woke up at 2 o'clock California time on Wednesday, fly home, go to the office, do a little work, come home. I've been an absent father and husband for four days, so I'm trying to hang out with my daughter. Alicia comes home. We get dinner. We're hanging out, and 
I'm tired. We put Clara down to sleep, and she does not go to sleep. She just oh. is in her bed crying, screaming. So both Leash and I were falling asleep on the couch, but she had to deal with that the night before. I'm like, all right, it's my turn. So I go in there, and I bring my iPad, and I bring my phone so I can play something music for her on my iPad and then listen to something on my phone. I don't want to be that present of a father. <laughs> and so, I'm there, but... <laughs> but... You know. And so I play the Star Wars Lullaby album and just... Sh- sh- try to get her to calm down. And so she eventually falls asleep. I fall asleep in the rocking chair we have in her room. I wake up probably an hour later. I have a massive headache because it's not a comfortable chair. I go stumbling out of her bedroom, brush my teeth, go stumbling into bed. I hadn't been drinking anything. I was just very tired. Just, you know, we're a Christian podcast. And so (laughs) just stumbling around. And then at 4.30 in the monitor, she starts screaming again. She's crying. And then Alicia goes in there and I... and she def- she never went back to bed. And so this is we're peel back the curtain. We're recording this on Thursday. So she was up from four thirty on Thursday morning until she finally went down for a nap about one o'clock. Oh my goodness. And she was just it was funny, we were driving around doing some errands, and I look in my rearview mirror and she is just staring dead faced. <laughs> just there's <laughs> zero expression. Just like she'd been given some Valium in a lobotomy. Like she was just oh, staring off. I was like, Clara. <laughs> Are you tired? Not just blank face, nothing. Claire, are you tired? Nothing. Claire, you tired? She startles away. I'm not tired. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, yeah, sure, little girl. So, yeah, I figured your schedule was off the other morning when it was like seven o'clock here and you're texting me and I'm going, is he just up? Like, is he up early in California time or late in Chicago time? I don't I was, know how this yeah, works I out. Was, I think I was getting up. I, th- I think I texted you before I got on my plane. But yeah, we were. Wednesday was a long day. You're wibbly wobbly, timey wimey. A little bit. But other than that, it was a good retreat. I'm excited to be home. But good stuff, all of which is far too personal to discuss on an internet <laughs> show. So suffice it. So I will say that the re- this retreat was all about prayer and kind of how prayer reflects our intimacy with God. So that was kind of an interesting topic in Obviously, some family of origin stuff goes into that and how we relate to God. But it was a very, very good retreat. And But the problem is, so I come home, I'm all excited. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to input all these practices, and I'm going to do stuff. And then your daughter stays awake till 11 yeah. and then wakes up at 4.30. And you're like, I can't have a quiet time today. I will fall asleep. Yep. <sighs> Try to put it into practice, and all of a sudden that temptation comes right along. It's not even temptation. It's just life. It's not like no, temptation to care for your child. Temptation <laughs> to sleep. And get, yeah. You know, get, shake that it's, jet lag. It's not like it's like, man, I got to hit that crack pipe. It was like I got to take care of my screaming <laughs> daughter. Lots of drug <laughs> references this time around. Yeah, we started with the poop lasagna. Right now we're into the crack. <laughs> poop lasagna. Oh my god! Before, before this thing is done, somebody's going topless. I could do it. Am I wearing the shirt that I always wear when we you do this? Wearing I am. the same shirt you always Dang it. Wear. <laughs> I didn't even think about it this time. I just saw it there in my drawer and I put it on. I didn't want to say anything. How are you, Tony? I'm good. I had a good week. Um, you know, everybody kind of here has the, the Hitler flu. So it's like, let's play the game in church on Sunday of not shaking anyone's hand. Uh, you know, just trying to. Is that your excuse them. for why you're all saluting like that? Or is that just normal? We don't salute like Nazis. I'm oh, not 100% okay. sure what you were. Well, uh, you call it the Hitler flu? <laughs> no, you know, like it's it's the flu, but it's a little extra angry. Oh. A little extra, it's a little <laughs> genocidal on the side. 
Uh, it's when you yeah, take no, your hood just... off and blow your nose with it. That's like, <laughs> we're, really not, we're not Klansmen either. No, uh, and that's rough. You know, a lot of people kind of get the croup, get the cough, get the <laughs> and some gout. Uh, sick yeah gout uh abdominal distension it's like everybody's just dis- <laughs> uh, displaying the symptoms that you get as side effects of some television commercial drug ask your doctor if it's right for you uh but yeah it's uh, it's been tough so but uh, on the plus side my sister who is uh, has been well with child um delivered so i am an uncle twice over because she had twins, twins. right i saw yeah. i saw you it is a little creepy because she tagged you in some pictures or somebody mm. tagged you in some pictures. So I was able to see them and I felt like I was creeping on this private family moment that she was <laughs> sharing. But because I'm friends with you, I could peer in and you weren't even in the pictures. Christian was in some of the pictures. Yeah. It was all just other people I didn't know. And then what yep. I assumed was your sister and two small humans that I assumed were her babies and Christian. That is them. great. So congratulations, yeah. Uncle Tony. Thank you very much. They are beautiful and healthy. And uh, a boy and a girl, I, two boys, two a, girls. A boy and a girl. Yeah, Wonderful. Lily and Levi, born healthy and happy. Uh, pretty big for twins. And um, then their older brother Lucas, who is like two and some change. So she's got her hands full. Then on top of that, they have a sixth grader and a tenth grader. So uh, wow. five kids, man. That's way too many kids. That is. Are they are they local? They're by your sister. Yeah, yeah about she lives about four minutes from my house. Oh. Nice. Um, Do you have a good relationship with your sister? I love my younger sisters so much. They're um, they're just the center of my heart. Awesome. I have older sisters too, but I know what I said. <laughs> I only have one older sister, and I love her. And she has shared with me numerous times that she likes you, Tony. So thank you. Thank that you. That means a lot coming from her. Let's have a little classic comic conversation. Classic Comic Conversation. All right, in Classic Comic Conversation, we say, hey, read these comic books if you have access to Marvel Unlimited or other ways, which we won't discuss. But you can go into a, a Barnes and Noble or a book retailer. I'm sure they have these in a trade paperback. Yeah, you get trade you paperbacks. Buy a coffee and sit down and just read it. Let's have a coffee. We'll talk. Um, <laughs> no, no big whoop. No big whoop. Anyway, so classic common conversation. We Tony and I pick some old comic books to read through, and then we will discuss them on the next episode of the Christian Nerd of Godcast. Yeah. And so I selected. I didn't ask Tony. I just put in the notes. We're going to read <laughs> Captain Marvel, the 2012 to 2013 volume. Yeah. So it's kind of the first one where she has a little mohawk. I'll link to it in the show notes. But number one through six. And I picked this because it's it's a good introduction of, yep, that's the one, of Carol Danvers. <laughs> I think this is her first run where she takes on the moniker of Captain Marvel. Yeah, she, she was really, Miss Marvel yeah, and then She accepts over. being Captain Marvel. She says, I can live up now the legacy of Marvel. And then there's actually some timey-wimey time travel in this where she sort of goes back to the past but then sort of lives through what made her, <clears throat> what gave her creep powers. So it's kind of a good introduction to Carol Danvers as a character, but then also... She gets much more appropriate clothing. Yes, you don't see 
Oliver, which is very nice, which I'm which sure Brie nice. Larson appreciates. And Brie Larson probably wouldn't have been in the movie if they said, <laughs> wear this leotard like you're in an 80s aerobics video. Yeah, we're, we we have this leftover from a Pamela Anderson B movie. <laughs> Could you, this is from Barbed Wire 2. Could you, you, you mind just throwing that on? So I picked that because three weeks from, well, we're, listening to, we're recording on Thursday, three weeks from today, yeah, we will be watching Captain Marvel, which fills me with so much joy i can barely contain this it. is the moment you've been waiting for pretty much if america is. falls in love with her they have to just cop to the fact that the christian nerd scott Higa i've been on it first. for years they're projecting a hundred million opening which would be pretty huge yeah i, I think it's going to be black panther big oh i'm so excited so i thought for those of you out there a lot of people again don't know that much about captain marvel because to this point she's been a b-level if not c-level hero people don't really know that much about but that's been the joy of the mcu oh, they're exactly. all b and c-level i mean the guardians lead, of the galaxy yeah, they've had to lean on Panther. all these characters because they didn't have the x-men yeah. so like, i mean or, and spider-man spider-man was almost an afterthought yeah so i we don't need to go over how much i love captain marvel and how excited so i am for this movie but if you want to know so we'll read through those six issues and then we'll talk about it uh, which we'll hopefully get back to Mondays or whatever. Next time we get together, before Captain Marvel comes out, we'll record another episode and talk about those six issues. So if you want to read through them with us, go ahead and do that. I will give a link to the trade paperback on Amazon. So yeah. that's a good way to grab those and read through them. I've never read this. I'm thumbing through it right now. The art is really interesting, really yeah. attractive in this. Nice job. Yeah, Dexter Soy is artist. Good, good run. All right. Damn. So we will tackle that next time. But now, I know I said we weren't going to have any segments from either of our shows, but I lied. Let's have a countdown. Three, two, one. Engage. It's the All right, we're nerds, Tony, so it's entirely too easy just to be like, what should we do? Let's have a countdown of something. That's countdown. what the internet loves. It's really hard, at least for me, to, when I see something that says top 10 whatever, you instinctively <laughs> want to click it. Because you, you, you know it's clickbait, yes. but you just want to click it and see what it is. So today's Valentine's Day when Tony and I are recording this. And so we thought we'd just have a brief discussion of some of our favorite nerdy couples. Are you mm -hmm. doing anything for Valentine's Day, Tony? Well, um, no. My wife despises Valentine's Day. She thinks it's a complete sham, and she get actually. I brought her a bouquet of flowers, and she was mad about it. She's like, "I told wow. you not. I'd have rather had the money." <laughs> okay, well, here's your flowers. Well, I bought it by the side of the road, so they weren't that much money. So I'd rather give you the flowers. <laughs> so you don't know how cheap I am. No, she was sweet about it, but she said, "I told you not to get me anything," which uh, she legitimately means it. Now it's not like a lot of ladies that don't get me anything, but seriously, get me something like Pam so, on uh, the office. What about you? Uh, my wife is working right now. She'll be home sometime this afternoon. And I bought her, she doesn't really care about Valentine's Day, but I bought her flowers because I want to give her flowers. My love language is giving gifts. That's not her one that she enjoys receiving, but I'll live into my strengths. And But she likes <laughs> words of affirmation, so I got her a nice card and wrote things in it. And she also likes snacks, so I bought her some snacks. That's what's that's, up, man. That's always a good gift for her. And then... I bought some steaks because we were just going to have leftovers, but I thought it's Valentine's Day. We can at least have a nice dinner. 
together. And you're smart enough to know going out on Valentine's Day, that's a that's, that's a rookie mistake, just stupid. man. Stupid. That is that is a sucker move. Go like going out for Valentine's Day is dumb, much less going out on the actual day itself. Yes. Yes. So we're just gonna go back. I don't I, how many nerdy how many favorite nerdy couples do you have, Tony? Because I have a couple chamber. Um I was just gonna kind of pull them out of the air as you Me were too. going. I was Good. gonna play off of you. So. All right, you go first. <laughs> <laughs> um okay not actually a romantic couple but one that i i love to see their interaction um i love link and princess zelda from the legend of zelda franchise all right i've never played a zelda game all right that's the end thank you so much for listening this will be the final <laughs> christian nerd of god uh no i love zelda that's been that's been my jam since i was a kid and yeah, yeah. um i mean i've played more... them but i've never played through a zelda game because i've never had the systems to do it and I think starting with the Nintendo 64, really, they made Zelda a much stronger and involved character. Mm. Yeah, there's still sort of like a go rescue the princess sort of vibe. But really, in, in the more modern games, she is just as much a part of the action. She's stronger. She's smarter uh, than your average damsel in distress. And she she's more hands on in the story. So uh, I, I really admire that the way that she and Link play off of each other. They're sort of intertwined in their characters and their destinies. Mm. Um, the Triforce nature of Hyrule, uh, he represents courage, she represents wisdom, and uh, the way that they overcome the power of Ganon. It's just a wonderful dynamic, and I love to see the interaction. I think they, they did really great in the Twilight Princess and uh, all the way through, but but Breath of the Wild, uh, is um, that's my favorite to see her interaction with Link, the way they grow closer to each other. You, you go through the game and you find these memories because Link doesn't have any recollection of who he is and where he came from from so you kind of discover the facets of their relationship mm. as he does and it's it's really interesting so i never even knew that there was interaction between link and zelda in the games the only the only interaction i know is from the horrible cartoon show where link was kind of like <laughs> hey, an extreme excuse sports punk. Me, excuse princess. me princess yeah whiny. so i would want to punch yeah. link in the face yeah. Like uh, and, and it's been different because each of the games is not a retelling. It's sort of a reimagining. Yeah. So so their relationships sometimes and I, I don't know if I'm making a spoiler for a 20 year old game, but, uh, no. you know, Zelda will actually get involved in, and change the course. She has sort of this alter ego named Sheik, where she becomes like this ninja warrior. Really cool stuff. In uh, in Wind Waker, she's a pirate queen you know like she just runs this pirate ship and this whole brigade of seafaring ne'er-do-wells uh, it's just you know it's just she's a cool princess and and he's my favorite hero so i love to see him work together awesome. not really romantic but i i ship them <laughs> you're so hip tony you're mm -hmm. hip to that you're hip to that ship so i'm just gonna get it out of the way do it cyclops and gene gray obviously yeah, i knew it was coming knew my, it was coming my very and basically, and, and you throw Wolverine in there, and it's just an, a wonderful little love triangle where Gene is in love with Scott, and Scott's in love with Gene. But there's always just the temptation of Logan because he's the bad boy. He's he's the exact opposite of Scott. I yeah. mean, they're both they're both heroes. They both have good character qualities. But Scott's this leader. Wolverine's the loner. Scott's always trying to get people to do things in order. Wolverine's kind of this agent of chaos. And then Jean just sort of stands in the middle. I mean, obviously she ends up marrying Scott. She loves Scott. But I always 
I, I love that's one thing they did really well, I think, in all the X-Men movies. In is the that movies. Yeah. They did a really good play among those three. And and, and believably, like there was a believable yeah. romantic tension there. And Absolutely. they didn't have to put that in, but they did. Yeah, and I mean Fomke Jansen's a really great actress, and mm-hmm. Hugh Jackman's obviously a great actor, so they pulled off really well. And I think so does James Marsden. Just being he's just so stiff, not as an actor, but just he Cyclops is a stiff, he's boring. And yeah, James Marsden he, brings that to him. He's great in the Taco Bell commercial. Yeah, he's great I just in the Taco saw Bell commercials. <laughs> he's also great as Liz Lemon's love interest on 30 Rock. Yeah, and uh, also the guy who stole Lois Lane from Superman in that uh whatever Superman movie. Oh. Was that Superman Returns? Yeah, he left the X-Men franchise to follow Brian Singer right. over Superman Returns. And so instead of getting one good X-Men movie, you got a bad Superman movie and a bad X-Men movie. And a bad movie. X-Men movie, that's right. right. Thanks, Brian. Uh, but no, I, I love that, and, and it really speaks to the duality of Jean Grey. Oh, yeah, even, yeah. That she's drawn you know, to the good and the bad. Yeah. So I just love, I mean... Jean Grey is one of my favorite characters, Cyclops' favorite character, Love Wolverine. And I the the image of Jean and Scott's eventual wedding is spectacular. Just all the X-Men standing there, everyone all celebrating what is happening. So that's my first entry. Had to get it out of the way because clearly they're my favorite. I'm looking around my collection right now to try to find inspiration for a number two on my list. <laughs> Well, uh, you get one number two, then you put some toilet paper on top of it, <laughs> and then you have another number two. Yeah. Um, okay, right out the gate then. Um, what about Princess Leia and Han Solo? Yeah, well, you know, clearly, they're great. I think... Uh, well, you seem like you're on the fence with well, this. No, this like, I very... like, I wonder, is, did some of the shine come off in Force Awakens, where... You see that they hit a rough patch and things didn't work out for him, you know? I wonder how causative Kylo Ren, uh, his his turning and his falling was in their mm-hmm. d- dismemberment there of their relationship, the, the, uh, the, their, their dis- de-raveling, unraveling. Well, they say uh, when because... he left, that's when Han left. Like, they just went back. I think the tragedy was so great that they just sort of fell back into what they knew. And so Han went yeah. back to smuggling and Leia went back to running a rebellion generaling yeah yeah and i, and I don't know i, I think they, they say i just statistically families if they lose a child they become mm. drastically more likely to to get a divorce and i i think that that's interesting that they brought that dynamic into yeah. their their characters they've always seemed fairly grounded in a in a fairly fantastic universe yeah their actual uh, and, relationship and and very true to kind of their own convictions. Han changes a little bit more than Leia does, but you know, you always kind of know Han's got that good guy, bad guy sort of vibe. Uh-huh. Uh, he wants to do what's right, but but he stays true to being Han. She stays true to being her. But as they push forward in their own adventures, they they do draw closer to one another, and and they never have to compromise on their own characters. Mm-hmm. They just find each other and bring out the best part of each other. Yeah, and even and even looking at Solo, I think I read an article about this that it just goes that Han's not the good guy, bad guy. Han's a good guy. Like, that's who he is. At his, he's a smuggler and he's a scoundrel, but he's a good guy. He's always a good guy. He's always going to do what's right. And so I think <clears throat> even seeing that in his relationship with Leia and coming back and rescuing Luke and not, you know, always finding an excuse not to go and pay off his debt to Jabba the Hutt, I think... I think seeing kind of that thread through Han's character, even going back to Solo, 
was, was great. Yeah, and I, I don't know that I 100% buy that, that if Luke didn't promise him a whole lot of money or if if, if uh, Obi-Wan didn't say, you know, we'll give you this and this when we get to Alderaan, that he wouldn't have just left them sitting there oh, in yeah, Mos yeah. Eisley. I, yeah, no, I think once they got one, yeah, I don't think he would have done it for Mos Eisley, but once he knew what Luke was up against, I don't think there was any way he wasn't going to go back and save him. Yeah, when he did leave uh, right before the battle, battle of Yavin, and he, you, you kind of knew he's like, "Hey, I'd stay if I could, but I, I do have to go take care of this yeah. stuff," you know. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm a Han Solo fan. I, no, I think no, that Han's, they're a great relationship. Han's great, and in they established even from the beginning. I love my favorite scene, not my favorite, but it's great when Han's like, "Ah, but she's got a lot of spirit." What do you think, kid? A princess and a guy like me, and Luke's like, "No, no, I don't think it would work," because he's in love with Leia too. It's so great. Also, kind of creepy. Yeah. Little did he know. Little. Mountain people, am I right? <laughs> Sand people. That's different in the Star Wars universe. All right. I had another one. Oh, I know what it is. Wait, do I? Yes, I had one. I like Dax and Worf from Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Did you watch Deep Space yeah. Nine, Tony? I did. I like Dax and Worf. I, I kind of like Troy and Worf a little bit because I thought that was yeah, interesting. That, was, interesting that dynamic. was really interesting in season six and seven where they kept hinting at that. Yeah. That was great. And then nothing I, I, came of it. Well, I found out, and I don't know how true it is, but they actually wrote that storyline in there as a punishment for Marina Sirtis for kind of getting uppity. Really? Yeah, that, that was kind of a, the the producers sort of putting her in her place. Why? Why is that a punishment? Did she not like Michael Dorn? I don't know what the deal was, but it was like, oh, you're just getting a little too arrogant, so now you get to date a Klingon. Oh, that's not fair. Michael Dorn's great. Yeah, I don't know. Well, no, but what? because in the final episode, that's where Worf and Riker ended up going separate ways over Deanna, and that's why they weren't friends with each other in the future. Yeah, well... We know that that future did not come to pass. That's the good. Enterprise E looked totally different. Oh, the Enterprise E is so awesome. Anyway, so <clears throat> Troy and Worf, not Troy and Worf, Dax and Worf. I love Deep Space Dax Nine. I think Deep Space Nine is a great, great television series. I think it introduced a lot of what we like about TV now, 20 years ago, with serialized storytelling. And I always thought the introduction of Worf was kind of like a gimmick, like you were saying before we got on, when they bring in Cousin Oliver or Raven Simone, bring in the kid to save the floundering show. They brought in Worf to make Deep Space Nine better. And I think it did make Deep Space Mm -hmm. Nine better. But definitely seeing their relationship grow and Dax having all the experience with the Klingons through Curzon. And they were just good opposites, but they worked really well together. Then it was sad because Dax died. And then Ezri Dax was dating Bashir, which was awkward for Worf. That's going to be weird, dating a Trill. Yeah, because, you know, we got to switch things up every so often. (laughs) Not only are you comparing me to your last boyfriend, but all your last boyfriends and your last wives and everything else you've ever been in and with since you're a Trill. Yep. That's that's hard expectations to live up to. I don't know that I liked you as much as I liked your host. (laughs) Do you have any more? So what about um, Arwen and Aragorn? Arwen and Aragorn. I was thinking from Lord of the Rings of Eowyn and Faramir. See, so, yeah, but Eowyn wanted some Aragorn. <laughs> That's true. And she's like, whoa, you're really old. I think she loved he. Yeah, he I, was old, but he you know, was. AJ, nothing but a number. <laughs> 
That's a little creepy. Um, yeah. So, yeah, they're good. I don't, because I, I read the books, but I don't really remember the books because they're a slog to get through. So I don't know if, yeah. they, did, did, if they delved more into their relationship in the books than they did in the movies, or if there was actually more of it in the movies than in the books. I read the books such a long time ago that the movies is sort of my definitive reference yeah. point to Lord of the Rings mythology. But I love the idea that she laid down her immortality uh-huh. to be with him. I'd rather spend one life with you than an eternity without you, basically. Uh, I just think that's a, a wonderful and selfless thing, and it's really defining of the depth of their love. Um, I, I don't know. I just get the feels when I see them. I'm really sad that Aomer didn't get anybody to fall in love with because Carl Urban deserves it because he's great in those movies. And, you know, he always stays alone. I mean, what love is there for Bones? Or Judge Dredd. Well, I never saw the Judge Dredd. Me neither. I heard it was actually pretty good, but I never got around to it. Maybe well, someday. Did it, did it have Rob Schneider in it? That's the real question. <laughs> no, but the water boy did, and I love me the water boy. <laughs> the, first, the first Judge Dredd had Rob Schneider in it. That's the important thing. Did you see the first Judge Dredd? I did. I did. How do you differentiate that from Demolition Man? <laughs> Rob Schneider. <laughs> well, it is. Why did every 90s action movie have to have the annoying comedic sidekick? Yeah, like the wacky, zany yeah, like character. Yeah, such a 90s trope that they don't really have anymore. Yeah, the same thing with, uh, well, they kind of do. I mean, Kat Dennings and Thor, that was, she was completely unnecessary. That's true. But she wasn't there. I mean, Rob Schneider was there like all the time, right? He was just always around. Like when Judge Dredd was blowing stuff up, there was Rob Schneider. I am the law, the law, the lawinator making copies. Yeah, that's him. <laughs> just eliminated everybody in the audience under 35. Thank you. Good night. That's okay. Uh, I'll, I'll throw my last one, my last thought out here, and we'll just okay. get back to Captain Marvel because I love Captain Marvel. So <laughs> they've done it a couple times. And uh, in, in the newer run, she's in a relationship with Rhodey, which is cool. But there's sometimes where she is hanging out with Spider-Man. I love that. Yeah. And she just flirts with him and Peter Parker has no idea what to do. It yeah. is absolutely hilarious. Yeah. She's super way out of his league as a superhero and he knows it yeah. and it's wonderful. And she just flirts with him and he just stumbles and has no idea what to do. I've I've seen in like three or four issues. They just sprinkle it in anytime they're together. And it's absolutely hilarious. So I would not Peter Parker, like not married to Mary Jane, not married to Mary Jane. Yeah. So So I would not want to ship them because I just want to see the awkwardness of Peter Parker freaking out and even thinking about being in a relationship with Carol Danvers. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. Peter Parker, despite his great power and great responsibility is still one of us he's still a nerd <laughs> with no game well god is gracious tony because we are nerds without game but we do have our own valentines to celebrate valentine's day with that's true which is spectacular so let us know you can hit me up or hit tony up who are some of your favorite nerdy couples are because we would love to hear that my wife would say tony stark and pepper Potts. That's hard for me because Gwyneth Paltrow is an annoying human being. It's really hard for me to separate. You got to separate it, man. It's really hard because she's super annoying. But that's a good one. But your your wife loves Tony Stark. She does. She loves all Tonys. She, apparently, she's got a thing for Tonys. My she wife... doesn't even like musical theater, and yet we're always watching that <laughs> award show. 
don't understand it. <laughs> nothing but nothing but who's the boss playing on the TV <laughs> in the background. If she Samantha, starts, if she, I don't know, she, all the time. If she starts really getting into the Academy Awards and starts talking about her friend Oscar, you might need to uh, check things out. Yeah, something shady's happening. Really starts watching Sesame Street a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Only loves the accounting episodes of The Office. From The so Office, yeah. I got you. I got you. I'm oh. with you. All right. Let's end this with a little Bible study. Bible study. All right. Bible study is very simple. We talk about something in the Bible, and we generally pull it from the lectionary. And this week's psalm was Psalm 1, which is one of my favorite psalms. You're going to start with a psalm. Start at the beginning. Yeah. Don't start with 119. You won't ever finish. (laughs) This is so long. (laughs) Why is this? Though I do love that there's an acrostic in the Bible. That's pretty spectacular. I, I love Psalm 119, but Psalm 1 may be my favorite psalm. It's so good. Why don't you read it for us, Tony, since you have an amazing voice? I'd be glad to. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Do you just want to come to my house every morning and read my Bible for me, Tony? (laughs) No. Can I just call you every morning like, Tony, my devotional has me reading Isaiah 6, 1 through 8. You want to read that for me? Sure. All right. <sighs> Isaiah chapter 6. Yeah. Here we go. That's a good, that because your voice, like I would feel the shaking of the temple if you were reading that. Remind me to tell you about how Lismati tricked me into reading Harry Potter. <laughs> um, it's a related story, but All not right. for now. What excites you about this passage, Tony? Psalm so one. much. So much, and 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 you, when you talk about acrostics, you talk about the 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 Psalms are wonderful literature exercises. Like there's so many, it's just good writing. Yeah, it's just good writing, and I love the visual when you have this sort of declination, you have this uh, descendants that happens right from the get go. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. And I see the action verbs becoming more sedentary. It's a wonderful um, verbal illustration of what sin does. You start out walking, you end up standing, and then by the end, you're sitting quite comfortably in the place where sin has planted you. And it's just amazing to me to show, like right from the beginning, there's just Watch what sin does. It's going to slow you down and it's going to stop you. It's going to set you down. And um, and and a tremendous one verse right there. There's a whole sermon in it. And you can even see that. And then when it switches and it has the tree metaphor that mm-hmm. it's not about sitting in your sin, but it's sitting and being planted by Absolutely. living streams of water. And <clears throat> what I love is that it talks about which yields its fruit in season. And that's just exciting that 
we don't always have to be producing tremendous amounts of fruit that we like it's enough just to sit and be by the streams it's enough mm-hmm. to sit and be with the lord and then when it's our time to produce fruit then it will come but yeah. our job isn't to produce the fruit that season will come our job is to be planted by the streams of living water yeah and i just as someone who often uproots himself and goes off and wanders in paths of sin and you know sits in it and then just stews in it I love the image that I can just sit and be with God. Like that's that's what I'm called to do. I'm called to sit, be with the Lord, and then trust that everything else He's going to take care of. But if I can just yeah. do that one thing of sitting like a tree by streams of water, then then God will take care of the rest, and that that excites me. <clears throat> yeah, I, I compare that with with like Jesus walking up to the fig tree, and it's like there's no fruit coming from you. Touch, and then the thing just withers up and dies. Mm-hmm. I don't ever want to wither. You know, I want to be vibrant and alive and and filled with vitality and nourishment. Uh, I, I want to be all the things that a tree can be. I, I know it's a silly metaphor, but it always goes back in my mind to the Shel Silverstein book, The Giving Tree. I always want to mm-hmm. have something to give to the people that are around me. I always want to have something to give unto the Lord. Um, whether it's the, my my branches, my leaves, my fruit, whatever it is that I have, I want to be able to give because I want to be alive and vibrant and useful and effective in what I do. So the, the tree metaphor totally works for me. But you, you know, when you think of, I don't know, for me, when I think of the Bible, I go, it's amazing that this all takes place in this part of the world that is just dry and arid and kind of desert and dusty. That's the way I picture it. People that had gone to the Holy Land would argue and say, no, it's lush and beautiful. I've been to the Holy Land, I will argue that it's not always like that. Yeah, (laughs) I don't buy it, but I'm just saying, (laughs) again, when you... When you think of of the the environment there, uh, re- fresh running water was very important to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a tree that would be planted by the water would be very distinct from the ones that lived in in the more arid or the the wilderness type places. Yeah, and I think that you know talking about our desire for efficacy and like to do stuff for God. I mean, yeah. th- I can't read this without thinking about. You know, in John, where Jesus talks about he's the vine and we are the branches, and yeah. apart from him, like we can't do anything. And so it's even I think in one of my old one of my old coworkers, Sam, he he's a G. I mean, he marched with Martin Luther King Jr. Like he's awesome, wow. like a great, amazing man. And so he would always talk about that verse in John where, you know, we, we get lost. We want to be abounding. Like we want to mm-hmm. abound. Like we want our lives to be full and just to do stuff and to be productive. And, yeah. and as people in ministry, like we want to do great things for God. And Sam would always say, we can't lose, we can't lose, we can't just be so focused on abounding that we mm-hmm. lose focus on abiding, that we just need to mm-hmm. abide. And Whoa. Be. You're going to bring the Pentecostal out of it. Say it again, preacher. We <laughs> I'm telling you, he was a G. We can't That's be so awesome. focused on abounding that we miss out on abiding because the abounding doesn't come unless we are abiding. We cannot yeah. do great things for the Lord unless we are sitting at the Lord's feet and allowing him to nourish us and fill us and give us everything we need to go out and make the difference in the world for his kingdom. Man, Pastor Higa is preaching. Somebody get this brother a treadmill. <laughs> I haven't preached for a while. I got it in me. So yeah, so I just I can't I mean I love I, I love that the Bible speaks truth about itself. That yeah. we have this in Psalm one written, you know, 
2,000 years before Christ was born, and then we have Jesus saying the same thing. It's just the same refresh, uh, the same idea that, yeah. again, if we want to abide, and if we want to abound, then we must abide, and by also abiding, we avoid staying in the way of sinners, sitting in the company of mockers, and, and, you know, walking in step with the wicked. Yeah. And I think that word, even the the Hebrew word there, and I, I dare not try to pronounce it, but the where the word delight comes from when it mm-hmm. says he delights himself in the law of the Lord, that del, that word is very um, aggressive in its delight, like it's like longing, like yeah. thirsting. Mm-hmm. And I think of like when you see maybe E.T. might be the example when uh, Drew Barrymore has the flower that's dry and wilted, and E.T. touches it and it comes back to life and blooms. When when you think in in that tree metaphor a dry and and withered tree, you can sense that it's just longing for that nourishment, that that liquid refreshment, the sunlight and the water to come up through its roots uh, for life. If it doesn't do it, it'll dry, it'll turn into a husk, it'll fall, and it'll die, it'll be useless. But uh, I want to be thirsty for God. I want to be just desperate. And and when it says delight, I just want to long for him more. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that, convicts me in this in this psalm is that you know how how much am i thirsting for god am i really actively delighting myself in the lord yeah and i think it's so easy for me at least if i'm not actively sinning you know if Mm. i'm not if i'm not transgressing if not if i'm not rebelling if i'm not openly doing the things i know god has called me not to do then I think it's so easy to think, well, I'm doing good. That mm-hmm. it's it's like, well, if I'm not actively pursuing the bad things, then it means I'm doing what God wants me to do. Where right. it's so much deeper than that. That it's the, like a zero sum game. Exactly. And all of a sudden, I'm, I'm satisfied just not to lose. Yeah. The the call to Christ isn't just not to sin. The call to Christ is to delight myself in Him to pursue and to yield him. fruit in, yeah. in season to pursue Him wholeheartedly. And as I do that, then I will abound. Then I will yield fruit. And then. Yeah. Like that kind of life is so much better than just, well, at least I didn't sin boldly today. Right. It's like, well, well, that's good. But I mean, God has so much more for us than not sinning boldly. Yeah. And and you look at the the identify the this the, what it says blessed is the man who walks not and he talks about the things that the blessed person does mm-hmm. but then when you contrast it to the 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 second half of the psalm it talks about the wicked and it doesn't say the one who does wicked things mm. the, that becomes so identifying mm. so a good true a good tree bears good fruit yeah. but a dead tree is just dead. It's that's just identity. You don't expect anything from it because it's just dead. And I don't want to be wicked. I don't Mm want to be chaff. I don't want to be the the dead throwaway. You know, I don't want to be kindling. Um, I want to be the one who does good things. So there's a process of that drawing up of God's law, drawing up of God's word, and then flourishing and then yielding fruit. So there's this this action-based, involved, lively, but when you're wicked, you're just wicked. You're just done. What's, you're dead. That's who you are. What's that look for you like look like for you, Tony, on a daily basis? The drawing up of I'm basically I'm like, what's it look like for you to spend time with God? To spend that time abiding with Christ so that you can abound and have ministry and do great things. What what's that look like for you? It's difficult. It's so hard. And I don't know if it's personal, uh, but when you're in vocational ministry, so much of your time with God is kind of on the clock. It's there so that you can produce more ministry. 
Um, and, and I have to be very guarded against that. Like a lot of times when I'm in the word, I'm kind of secretly thinking of sermon things or brilliant, mm-hmm. clever things that I can say later on. You know, a lot of times when I pray, I'm kind of, I, I find myself guilty of doing that sort of hit it and quit it prayer where mm-hmm. I'm praying because I'm on my way to actually do something. Mm-hmm. So I try to be, I, I have to always really guard myself and I'm not always good at it of mm-hmm. being more Mary than Martha, you mm-hmm. know, of being more like with the Lord instead of just like orbiting the Lord's stuff. Um, oh. So it's, you know, that's what I'm That breaks about. my heart because it's what I do. Orbiting the Lord's stuff. Dang. Yeah. Stop speaking truth into my life, Tony. I don't want to <laughs> hear those things. No, but that's hard for me. So so really, I'm always convicted when it comes to that kind of stuff because I, I, never, I never feel like I do it well enough. Hmm. Even if I'm doing it okay. <laughs> yeah. And I think, yeah, I think that's... I've talked about this before on my show and, you know, just, just, I think that that feeling of, you know, whatever I do enough, it's not okay. And I just, I just, I've been processing through that. I shared on my show that I, a lot of times I feel that, you know, I'll share some of my stuff from this weekend. So we had to do this exercise of how we've seen God throughout our lives. Like we had to draw pictures. I'm like, Oh, I can draw a picture. Not well, but I'll draw it. (laughs) So, you know, draw a picture of how you viewed God when you were young. So I drew mm-hmm. a picture of me. I'm a little stick figure, and God's this big stick figure. He has a beard, and he's smiling. I'm like, yeah, that's that's how I felt. Like God was just this big God smiling at me. It's like then draw a picture of God from your, you know, not from your elementary years. And so I drew a principal's office because that's how I always felt that God was the principal just waiting to call me into his office. Then draw one from a young adult. So I drew. I did a lot of serving when I was younger. So God was somebody. I was a I was a server at a restaurant, and God was at my table, and he was angry. He was unhappy mm. with my service. And then draw a picture of what you think God is now. And then I drew a picture, uh, this is what I shared a couple weeks ago, that I, I have this sense that God is like a police officer on the freeway, follow, like when you see a cop car behind you, yeah, and you're, and you're just tense. Like, I don't want to screw up. I don't want to screw up. Like, am I driving? Am I at 10 at 2? Is, <laughs> is my, my radio, radio too yeah, loud? Is my radio too loud? Put my phone down? Like, And so... And so I live with this tension that God is just waiting to pull me over, just waiting for me to do something wrong, which yeah. I know is not true, but these are the things that I live with. And, and, it, and even to the point where, you know, talking about like that abiding time and spending time with God, where, where I would feel that, you know, there's seven days in a week. If I missed spending time with God three days, then God loves me, you know, 32% less. Right. Which, don't check the don't check the math on that. Uh, yeah, it's wrong. But just that, <laughs> that like, there's a hundred percent. There's there's an opportunity to earn one hundred percent of God's love, and if I do seven quiet times, then I'll get there. But if I don't, I'll only get to sixty four percent or whatever it is. Now you have a little girl, and I think that to me, one of the most defining transformations in the way that I perceive God was when my son was born, mm-hmm. because a lot of those sermons about God's just never ending unconditional there's no way he could love you more or less kind of love uh came to life for me yeah. as a dad and i think that that's the way that i see god now that's the mm-hmm. way that i want to see god more mm-hmm. and i think that sometimes i'm like the teenager it's like okay leave me alone all right you know i'll see you later i don't you know i don't uh, out of play sight, with out your of uh, f- your football <laughs> <laughs> but you know, little cats in the cradle sort of thing. But I, I don't want. Um, but but I always keep in that frame that God, I know how imperfect I am, and I know that you know too. I'm not fooling you. Mm-hmm. But I also know how much you love me, and that's 
it's just excessively ridiculous. Like if you weren't so great, I would think that you were an, uh, an idiot for, for loving me <laughs> and, 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 and indirectly everybody else so much. Like we we're just so unworthy of that. And yet here you are just like completely ridiculously, relentlessly pursuing and loving us. Yeah. And, and uh, man, that makes it really easy just to fall in love with, with that guy. Yeah, and I think that's what I think I wrote about that even when Clara was born. Just the idea that I always, you know, because I I didn't want to be like, well, you can't understand God's great love for you unless you have children, which because I don't believe that. But I think I've gained a deeper sense in my own life of how much God loves me by having a child. Uh, sure. But for me, like so much of it is as I've been going through this process, the transforming center in my own life is just that I can't, like, it's trying to like flip the switch in my head where my time with God is just an opportunity to spend time with somebody who loves me. Whereas in my brain, I'm like my time with God is a way to earn God's love for me. Like that's Hmm. just not, that's not how it is. And I, and I know that I've never taught that I've never preached that because that isn't true. Like that's not biblical, but it feels that way, but it feels that way. And so I'm I'm trying to figure out like, how do I just enjoy spending time with God for the sake of spending time with God, which will then allow me to do all these things I want to do, not out of a sense of guilt or a sense of obligation, but just because, oh man, I spent so much time with God and I know he's going to bless me and he's going to help me yield fruit in my season. I'm just going to go out and do it because God loves me so much. Not, oh man, I got to earn God's love today. So he'll bless me. So he'll work through my ministry. Sure. And it's just, those are, I, I, I probably wrestled with it my entire life and probably in the past maybe two years, I finally started to narrow in on it, Mm. but it's a process. Yeah. I I think that sometimes loving the things that God loves and, and just not maybe even doing the thing, but just being quiet and just being with him, you know, just walking down the road with him is, and I don't know what that looks like for every person. It might be different for me and for you. Uh, We all bring our own unique baggage to the table. You know, (laughs) we all have our own like hangups and issues, but, but God meets us right there. He conforms in his own unique way without changing his own unique way uh, to, to who we are and to what we need. And, um, and boy, I think that when we experience him one day in his fullness, we'll understand how far he went to get to us. Yeah. Uh, when, when they say, "Yeah, you in heaven, you'll never stop worshiping God," I think that they'll will that will be justified. <laughs> we'll see how good he really is, and we'll be like, "Okay, thanks for the eternity. I'm gonna have to give it back to you." Because yeah, because even even when we catch glimpses of it, right, in those moments that we've had, where yeah. like in that moment, I was completely like i think about the first time i truly encountered god through a through singing through worshiping through music i was 15 years old we were worshiping in a house in mexico on a trip and i just i couldn't stop crying because mm. i was just so moved like I'm like i'm in god's presence this like this is just a, <laughs> and, and i feel like a, a heroine like i've been just chasing that like my yeah. whole life trying to get back to 15 years old sitting in a house in ensenada because it's so good yeah and it's just worth it to to try to pursue that and then just life happens, and so yeah, there it is. Maybe That's... you're secretly a Pentecostal. That sounds like. Uh... <laughs> so I took that. So Ron, Ron posted that test. Yeah. Like what? And I took it. Somehow I did it wrong because I was 100 percent of everything. I don't. I don't think I did it correctly. Super Christian. Yeah. You're like the super scroll of denominations. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> I've got all the Fantastic Four's powers, and I can speak in tongues. <laughs> hey, Tony. 
Thank you yeah, so much Scott. for this. Where can people find you on the internet? Well, people can find me at thechristiannerd.com. Where can people find you? At nerdofgodcast.com or on Twitter or all the social medias <laughs> at nerdofgodcast. Like that. Reverse it. Yeah, you can check me out at It's Me, Tony T on Twitter. Uh, that's where I hang out most of the time. The T-O-N-Y-T pretty much everywhere else. And uh, Nerd of Godcast on all the socials. Uh, you can find Scott at? At Scott Higa or thechristiannerd.com. Yeah, man. Good stuff, man. Well, I guess that's it for our talk today, right? That is. So, goodbye, Tony. Goodbye, Scott. Goodbye, Internet.